Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. All right, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance cards. Get out the copay. The office is open, my friends. Adam Ronis, can we officially turn the, the flag to the baseball flag? Yeah, I think we can. Obviously, we're getting closer to spring trading. Still a ton of free agents out there that are not signed, including some superstars. But I think the appetite for baseball is starting to pick up. I, I think so, too. I, I think it's, you know, it's not there yet. By March, I think people start to really come in. You know, February, we've been doing this a long time. February is a weird month. I think people, after the Super Bowl, it's like people need a break. I think so, too, for sure. I mean, the... Football season is a grind for sure, especially if you play in multiple leagues and, you know, in competitive leagues where the waiver wire, you know, really takes a lot of thought. You know, you really are playing for big prizes and you need to make sure that those decisions are correct. So it's more mentally draining uh, to go through the season. And I'm sure a lot of people listen, you know, play in like five to ten leagues and do DFS and maybe you do other sports. So, yeah, it it takes a grind. And I think uh, sometimes people need a break. I think I need a break from you, Adam, so I'll be back in a month. Okay, I'll be okay, back bye. in a few years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See you never. But, uh, you know, it's funny. You're right about DFS. This is the time where DFS really comes into play for people because you miss that action, right? You're used to football action every week. You're used to, you know, once uh, April hits, you've got baseball literally every day that goes into football. But, but now, I mean, some people aren't NBA people. But, I mean, you have NBA, you have DFS basketball, you have DFS hockey, you've got DFS golf. I mean, DFS has to get you through these next, this next month. Oh, for sure. I mean, you got NBA DFS, although I know some people get frustrated with a lot of last-minute scratches and players sitting out. They have done a better job lately of alerting us early. It's only been a couple of occasions recently where someone has been out late. Uh, obviously, there's late uh, lineup swap on some sites. Like, uh, Clay Thompson, I think over the weekend, was ill, and, like, that news didn't break. To like 10 o'clock and I actually had him in the lineup but there was late swap but it's been pretty good like we know Kyrie Irving is out today so for the most part it's been better but you still have to pay attention and especially with the trade deadline coming up on Thursday and the all-star game coming up you will see more players sit so you know you got NBA DFS to take you through that and you know baseball prep is extensive work too so you know that's what you should be doing now is doing that research. You know, you're right. Baseball prep is a lot of work. And, you know, sometimes when I'm driving, I I listen to, um, you know, the GM and the commish in the morning. And, uh, you know, Mish pretty well. I think it's very interesting. And I know this is going to sound disrespectful and it's not meant to be at all because I do have I hold Jim Bowden in high regard. But I think real baseball and fantasy baseball are, are very different. I think Jim Bowden may be a, a brilliant general manager, but he struggles in fantasy baseball. Yeah, and I think there's an adjustment period, too. You know, uh, you, I've always said this. Like, a lot of people know the players. They can break it down, and they can tell you everything. But that's only part of it. You know, a big team, part of this is roster construction, and I think that's where a lot of people fail. You, they are just, whether 
They're taking their favorite guys. They're taking their sleepers. And they're not looking at where they stand in the categories. And that's the most important part. And, you know, there's a certain player maybe in round seven that you really want, but he's not a fit for your team at that point. And you have to be able to figure that out, analyze your team and say, yeah, I love this player, but he's just not a fit for this team right here. So I'll have to take him another draft. And, you know, I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. And, you know, especially in a league where you can't trade like the high stakes league, you got to get that right. Of course, you can get things on the waiver wire. In a trading league, obviously, you can overcome that. But you never want to come out of a draft saying, yeah, I'm going to have to trade for this. I have to trade for that. That's not what you want to do because you're already in your head. You know, I have to make major changes to turn this around. And you don't want to come out of a draft like that. It's, it's funny you said that because I think I, I fall into that where like, I like a player, but you know, maybe his average isn't good. But I, I was like, all right, I'll fix that later. But if I already have two or three guys who, whose average isn't good, I'm making it worse, right? I'm making my problem already worse, and I have to avoid the problem. So, but you know, you're like, but I like this player. I, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, it, it becomes a conflict. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, and again, there's, there's ways to overcome it. But I think, too, it's just, you know, you have to kind of realize what you need. And, uh, you know, I think that's what helps me is that I kind of go through it and I'll, I'll put it out on paper. You know, I'll estimate, you know, okay, this guy's going to be 25 homers, 17 steals. So I can quickly kind of look at it and go through and say, okay, where am I light? What do I need? And I won't overpay either. And I think that's a, a big thing is that people always want to get their big player that they have expectations for. Cause everyone in this industry, you know, they're going to have a few players that they pimp out and they really want. And, you cannot overpay to get them unless right. you really feel that they're going to exceed value. But like, you know, some people will jump them four or five rounds. And we talk about this in football. It's fine to jump a couple rounds, especially if you know there's sharks in the water and they may be on that player too. But you kind of have to be realistic about it and understand what the market value is. I, I think my fatal flaw in baseball is that I'm, I'm very cognizant of power and speed when I'm drafting, especially for hitters. Okay. But I'm not always cognizant of average, right? So I'm looking at my FSTA team here, Jose Ramirez and Baez, Peraza, Aguiar, Brantley, Piscotti, Odor, Buxton, DeJong, Santana. I'm looking at a, you know, a 250 average there. I mean, I like my power. I like my speed. I like my run scored. I like my RBIs. But did I overlook a category and did I get myself in such a hole that maybe I can't get out of it? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, Ramirez should give you a high floor and batting average. Baez is the wild card was last year, you know, his new baseline, or was he a little overachieving? I think Peraza's on the rise. You know, he had a really good second half last year. You know, I had Peraza two years ago, and Tout killed me, man. And now this is going to be the year for him. Uh, Aguiar, I believe in. The average won't be great. Brantley is going to – see, Brantley is a good pick because – see, Brantley, and I already wrote about him in our draft kit – Brantley's like the really good pick in that rounds nine to 10 because he's not sexy. No one's like, Oh, I want Michael Brantley, but he does a little of everything and he's going to hit two ninety three hundred. He's in an improved Astros lineup, you know, going to that lineup's going to help. And he stayed healthy for like a year and a half. Now that was the real big problem. He's not going to give you elite power. You know, you're hoping for 15 home runs, but he can give you 10 to 14 steals and the counting stats are going to be good. So that's a guy that, that really kind of helps when you're trying to uh, support that average. Obviously, Odor's the wild card, but he did make some improvements there in the second half last year. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I look at Odor type of guy, and how many guys can realistically have an upside of 30 home runs and 20 steals? Now, I'm not saying he's going to do that, but he could do that. He's got that type of capability. So I always feel find like, 
I'm attracted to an odor. I'm attracted to the odor owners because I just think that one day when he hits, he's a fifth round talent. Yeah, and that's where he was drafted the last couple of years. And obviously, he's fallen because of last year where he got off to the putrid start. But he's hit 30 home runs in a season two times already. And he's 25 years old. So he has done it. And he's stolen double digit steals three consecutive years. So. This is a guy that could give you 25 to 30, 15 home runs, and it's just a matter of, okay, what's the batting average going to be? And it's kind of been all over the place, uh, but he was 253 last year. You'll take 253 with the other numbers. That oh, my God, you, 253. I, yeah, I'd love him at 253. I just don't want 235. Right. In today's environment, the 253 is really not that bad. I mean, we saw his hard hit rate jump up, and he really improved in the second half. So, you know, to get him in around 11 – is a good spot, and then, of course, uh, Buxton always a wild card. But that's what you're kind of looking for in those rounds is, okay, what players can really take a huge jump up? And with Buxton, you know the talent's there. Now it's a matter of can he stay healthy. So I want to talk about two picks, of that, two rounds of picks that I made that I think I, maybe this hopefully will help other people as well. In round 22, I took a shot on a kid named Keston Hiura who just literally ripped the cover off the ball in the, uh, the Arizona Fall League. Where, look, you are a supreme fantasy baseball player. I know you have to like Hura. He's a great player. At what point in a draft do you take him? Is it too early in round 22? Would you rather him round 28? Or would you rather just leave him and let somebody else take him? How do you usually approach a guy like that? Yeah, I mean, you're, this, around this round, you're probably looking at someone who's probably going to be on your bench anyway to start. Um, and you have to figure that there's going to be at least a couple other people in the room who are probably on him and going to take him. So that's the right spot. You just have to understand uh, that you're probably going to have to, I'm assuming that's your middle infield spot. So you're going to have to open the season, obviously, and get someone in the reserve round or finish this draft to open for him. I don't think he's going to be up to start the year, but it's not like they have anyone in front of him that is you know, going to uh, seize that spot. It's Hernan Perez coming off surgery, Corin Spangenberg, not bad players, but... As long as Hura hits, I mean, he hasn't been a triple-A yet, so that's the key. They probably want him to open up a triple-A, get some more seasoning, service time, and then potentially bring him up. But uh, it's a good park to hit in, good lineup. But, yeah, I I'll take shots. I mean, I took last year in Tout Wars, I took uh, Walker Bueller, like around that point, 22, 23, 24, somewhere in that range. Uh, and I think there was some another young player I took. So I'll, I'll take, like, two shots there in the last few rounds. And, obviously, Walker Bueller played off. I waited for him, and obviously – he was one of the better pitchers, so uh, that's what you're kind of looking for in those rounds, uh, especially if you have a roster that's constructed where you feel pretty good about it and you didn't already take too much risk. You know, that's a spot where you can keep him on the bench and, you know, hope he comes up early enough because we sit here and try and predict when people are going to be up. A lot of times we don't know. Did anyone in their right mind think Juan Soto was going to be at the major league level last year? No, no. he was a star. He wasn't no, even right. taken in the draft champions leagues. The 50 rounds, he wasn't taken. Right. Bellinger came up early. So you see, I, I feel I'm lucky because I have Baez and Odor and Marte. I don't need to play Hura. I can let him sit there on the bench. You know, it, that, that to me was why I took some risk. But I want to ask you about the next round here. What do you think about these closers? Because they, they, they were right next to each other. Strope, Colome, Kelvin Herrera, Brandon Morrow, guys that you just don't trust. There's injuries. How do you approach like messy bullpens? Well, unfortunately, we have a lot of messy bullpens now, so you're going to have to address them. It's more difficult than the draft champions leagues where you can't make moves. At least here in this league, there's the waiver wire and there's trade. So 
Yeah, I mean, I'll take a shot on Strope. Uh, he might be the closer to open the year for a month. And they're saying Brandon Morrow could miss a month, but they could be way longer than that. You know, we, we've seen this injury optimism all the time. And a lot of occasions, it extends further. And they don't return. So, yeah, I mean, this is the rounds. If those guys are going to have to take a shot late, it's a 14-team league. They might be your second closer, maybe your third. You're going to have to take a shot. It's round 22. So it's not like you're investing a lot. If the pick doesn't work out or they don't close, not a big deal. You know, uh, you could always cut them before the season starts and find someone else that emerges. What do you think about these young outfielders who are on teams? I'm just going to give you a name like Austin Meadows or Ramon Laureano. Guys who I like, but they could be the fourth outfielder. They could start. Maybe they don't start in the beginning. They play in May. How do you approach these outfielders who have a lot of potential but may or may not get 500 at-bats. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a shot on them. Uh, again, because if they get the start to begin the year and they perform well, uh, they'll be good. I mean, I, I think Meadows is going to play almost every day. I know maybe he'll sit against some tough left-handers. We know that Tampa Bay does employ a lot of platoons, and they mix a lot of guys in and out. But uh, Meadows impressed last year, so I will definitely take him. And even a guy like Loriano too, going a little bit late. You know, it can give you a little speed, and that's kind of what you're looking for is that's what I'm trying to do is trying to get a lot of guys who give me 10, 15 steals, 20 steals, let them pile up. And, you know, we only saw a small sample last year with, with the A's with him. Uh, did strike out quite a bit, but does have the ability to give you some pop in speed based on his minor league numbers. All right, so let, let's get into the mind of Adam Ronis here, which is not an easy thing to do, by the way. So let's say you have pick three in a draft. Do you chart out before the draft of who you expect to be there in the rounds you're picking? Do you do you look at it that way? Do you try to say, well, look, in round one, I want this. In round four, I want this. I want two pitchers by this. Or do you just let the draft flow to you and you do it on, on the fly? Yeah, I do it on the fly. I mean, you have an idea based on before you go into your drafts. You've been doing drafts for hopefully a couple months, draft champions leagues, mocks, whatever. So you kind of have an idea where players are going. But – there's always going to be curveballs. You know, last year, I couldn't believe in the third round, middle of the third round, that Madison Bumgarner fell to me. And I was like, wow, I didn't expect him to be there. Now, obviously, he didn't have a good year because he got hurt. But if you would have said before the draft, he'll be there in round three, I would have said, no, nah, you're nuts. Not going to happen. So there are just so many things that happen in a draft that you don't expect. So, no, I don't map it out. And I've always said, you know, if people are going to reach and push value down the board, I'll just take it. And I think that's one of the key elements of a draft, too, is when value presents itself, take it. Now, on the flip side, I kind of learned, too, is if someone's really falling down the board and you say, wow, this guy's here in round eight, this is such great value. If you don't like that guy, don't take him. <laughs> you know, like, I think that's a big problem with people is they go, well, I didn't think this guy was going to be here, and I really don't like him, but it's round nine. How can I pass on Ryan Braun in round nine? Well, if you didn't take him in the previous couple rounds and you're not a fan of him, don't take him because it winds up being a mistake. You know, it's funny you say that. I, I just have a rule of I don't want a guy whose arrow is pointing down. I might lose a league, Ronis. I, I, I might, but I just, I, I'm never drafting Ryan Braun. I'd rather have Harrison Bader over Ryan Braun 10 times out of 10. I mean, Braun could still hit, but a lot of injury risk. He's getting older, so there's there's definitely some risk there. And especially in baseball, I mean, some players just kind of lose it quickly. And it's a grind, and especially when there's a lot of innings or games played on a player. And if they play a demanding position, uh, you know that it's not going to be a great value. So, by the way, Jim Bowden mentioned your name this morning on the, on the radio. 
He mentioned that you wrote an article about why you should not take Merrifield too early, and he agreed with you. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, I mean, Merrifield went in the second round of this draft in FSTA, and I just think it's overpaying for steals. You know, I just can't take a guy in round two who's going to give me 12 home or 60 RBIs. And maybe he's better than that and shows more power, but 30 years old. and what if, I took, what if I took Merrifield in round three? Would you have been okay with that? We're still too early. Still don't love it. I mean, if you get two power bats early and you didn't get much speed and he fits in, it's just I don't like getting that that low power speed guys there. I've never taken D. Gordon in those first rounds, Billy Hamilton, all those players. And I know Merrifield is better than those guys, but but twelve good. home runs and fifty RBIs doesn't make you happy. You're chasing RBIs, man, big time because most of the RBIs come from the three and four hitters, and the three and four hitters for the majority of of uh, most teams go in the first three to four rounds. But you, you felt that way about Trey Turner last year. I know you did. You didn't really love him as a pick either. I didn't, and I don't think he was great. I mean, he was good, but did he win you a league? I don't think so. He didn't run as much as people thought. If Whit Merrifield steals 50 bases, does that change your mind? No. I mean, the speed helps, but I don't need him. I don't need to win steals. I don't have to. All right. He's Adam Ronas. I'm Dr. Roto. We're breaking down fantasy baseball for you. That's right. It's baseball time. We're Scout Fantasy Sports, and we'll be back right after this. Here's Brian Flores on his way to the Dolphins. The Dolphins made the decision that we would much rather go with a guy who can beat the Adam Gases and all of these so-called geniuses that you have as offensive uh, coaches. The pendulum swings all the time in the NFL. You saw the proliferation of the McVeighs, this idea of offense, offense, offense. But now it seems like that code has been cracked. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called... The IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy, and I'm happy too. Thanks, tax doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-215-1727. 800-215-1727. That's 800-215-1727. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. All right, we're back. We're Scout Fantasy Sports. Dr. Roto along with Adam Ronis here. 
And of course, if you want to win in fantasy baseball, you go to Scout Fantasy Sports and you subscribe to our fantasy baseball draft kit. Ronis, I think the promo code is BATS50. Am I correct? That is correct. BATS50 gets you 50% off your first two months when you become a member right now. Sign up right now. We'll get you through opening day. You got Sean Childs. You got Ronis. You got myself. I mean, that's pretty darn good. Three guys. I would, I, you know, I usually I always, you, you may talk a lot of crap on the radio runners, but that is absolutely not crap. Those are three pretty good players there. Yeah, I'd say so myself. Yeah, especially because one of them is you. But I never said that. Oh, okay. I said it. So it's, it's a pretty good deal. So BATS50, you get 50% off your first two months. Please join us at scoutfantasysports.com. All right. We were talking about Whit Merrifield and the Trey Turners of the world and, you know, I, I think that's a miscon- people have a misconception. Like you said, you don't need to win steals. I tend to look at last year's numbers, Adam, and I say, what is third place? If I could get third place in every category, I'm going to win a league. Yeah, and I think that's ideally, I mean, look, we all want to win every single category, but you got to be realistic about it, especially if you're playing in a competitive league. It's not going to happen. So you have to figure out, you know, steals are a big topic this year and you're seeing it in drafts they're getting pushed way up so you got to decide okay how am I going to get my steals this year are you going to overpay or spend a high price on you know the Trey Turner in the first round the Alberto Mondesi's the Whitmerry Fields or are you going to do it in a different way so you know even Malik Smith I mean Malik Smith went in that draft round seven I mean that's a guy that's going to give you what two three home runs no RBI so does he fit into the construction of your team? You got to really figure that out. I just don't like those guys because it's a huge, huge hit in home runs and RBIs. You know, we talked about Trey Turner last year, and the numbers were good. Keep in mind, though, he played 162 games. He had 43 steals. I think people who drafted Turner, though, wanted more. I think oh, they were yeah, at you thought 60, 65. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. So he had 19 homers, which is okay. I mean, it's not going to kill you. 73 RBIs, man. That's I mean, pretty good. 19 and 73 is more than we thought when last year started. Really, it's it was. not. To me, it's not good enough for a first round pick. And the no, I know, but it's more. 71. Pe- I, I mean, think people were hoping for 12 and 50 last year. No, I think people wanted more home. I don't know. What be, I guess people were expecting 19 home runs. But that's the thing is that the home runs and RBIs are just not good enough for me for a first round pick. You can tell me about the steals all you want. Again, I didn't draft Trey Turner anywhere last year. And I want to So is, a, is, a, is a Kuna. A good pick for you then this year? Yes, because he's he's got more power. All right. Well, now me, I don't know where he's going to hit in the order. That's going to be a big thing too. You know, do they hit him lead off? Will they hit him third or fourth? My guess is they probably hit him more. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to figure that out here. What they're going to do? Do they put in Ciarte lead off? Um, you know, Freeman's probably going to hit three. Do they hit Acuna two? I mean, obviously you want Acuna two, three, four if you're taking him in the first round because you want. Those RBIs. I mean, he could hit cleanup. Maybe he hits cleanup, and they put Donaldson, too. That would be really good for him. That would be good for him. Let me give you another guy, though. Starling Marte is not a guy with a lot of power. I don't need to take him in the first round. I could take him in the third. In the th- are you, do you love him in the third round? Uh, yeah, I'm fine with him in the third. He's a guy that I've taken in the past, and he had 20 home runs last year, so that's fine. And, you know, the RBIs could be higher, good average, and 33 steals. But it's a, he's a third-round pick. Big difference to taking him in the first because – I need those RBIs. I need that 100 RBI guy. I mean, last year, guys, that's in the first round. You know, Mookie Betts was someone I got. And obviously, last year, he went in the middle of the rounds. Now he's going number two. But need those big RBI guys, man. They're really difficult to find as you go deeper in the drafts. So is Juan Soto a bad pick in the first pick of the third round? I don't think he's a bad pick. I, I have him in a keeper league. Um, 
He's interesting because he had such a great approach as a young player. I don't know if I'd take him in the third, but I don't I don't want to say it's a bad pick. I mean, the kid's 20 years old, and what he did last year at the major league level is insane. Now, he showed the same approach in the minor leagues. How will he adjust as pitchers see him more? That's going to be the big question because, you know, 16% walk rate, the patience he showed, power to the opposite field. I mean, it's just crazy what he showed as such a young player. Um, but that's the thing is – if you're of the mindset, well, I need to see him do it again, you're going to lose, man. I mean, this is the baseball has changed. These young players are coming up and they're ready. I mean, look, look, I, look, I, would, look, I said Acuna last year, six, seven round. I was like, nah, can't do it. Now, so one of my last drafts, I'm like, all right, what if I'm wrong here? What if Acuna is a stud? He, we know he's a talent. Maybe he comes up and crushes it. I got to get him in one draft. And I didn't get him. I was ready to take him, I think, around six or seven, and someone took him like five picks before me. But look at Acuna last year. I mean, the guy came up and crushed. So things are changing, and you can't sit there and say, yeah, I need to see him do it another year. If you do that, you're going to lose out on a lot of good talent. When you look at a draft board like the FSTA board that's up here now, do you look at a pick and say, that's a bad pick? I would never take that guy? Do you look at the pick and say, I don't like it where the person, I like the player, but not where they took him? How do you look at a draft board and, and judge whether or not somebody did a good job or not? Uh, just kind of the balance of their team. Uh, I mean, you know, the, there are some picks I look and I'll say, wow, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. You know, Is why, there one why? on this board where you're like, oh, I just wouldn't have done that? Uh, I would say... Strasburg at the end of round three. I wrote about Strasburg today, and I'm, I'm just done with him. I don't want no part of him. I think people, he has elite upside. He can still be an ace, but the guy's pitched 150 innings once in the last four years. He's 30 years old. He's had numerous injuries. People are hoping for Strasburg. And you can argue, well, a lot of those pitchers are not going to throw 180, 200 innings. And that's the way baseball is. And when he's hurt, I'll piece it together. But he's a headache. He struggles in the heat. What happens in your weekly league? And then on Monday, you don't know if he's going to pitch. And then he sits out. Last year, he had a couple starts where he was hurt, went out there, and got bombed. And he's had one season of an ERA under three. This guy is just completely overvalued. There's so no let way. Me, so let me ask you. You're Anthony. And all those pitchers go before you. All of them. And they're all better than Strasburg. And then you see the drop-off after Strasburg is the Granky, the Tyon, the Clevenger, the Corbin, the Paxton. What would you have done if you were I would have taken one of those guys. I you would, more, would you have taken yeah. Clevenger or Granke or Tyon or Corbin or somebody? I'd take all of them over Strasburg, man. It's just, really? Even many, in the third round? Yeah. You, or, man, or would you have taken the third hitter and waited till the next round? You could. I mean, it's kind look, it's kind it, he was in a bad spot there because he didn't take a pitcher on the turn. So he probably knew that, okay, I'm going to have to reach for a pitcher or at least take one. Uh, but, again – that the mind that's the mindset of putting pressure on yourself. Maybe he feels differently. Could Strasburg go out there and throw 180-190 this year? Sure. But what is the likelihood? I mean, the guy's done he's done it one time in the last four years. Well, 120. I, so, like, I don't want that in my third round pick. So strategically, let's say you're Anthony and you figured that DeGrom or Sale was going to get to you. You you're banking on that. But they go right before you. Is taking Machado and Harper terrible? No, it's not. I know and, and I I'm fine with that. But you just know that when you do that, you need you need to get a pitcher in round three. But it, you're saying you I would have taken Clevenger, I wouldn't have taken Strasburg. Yeah, if I was going to go pitcher, yeah. And obviously, after he took Strasburg, there was a stretch where like what eight, nine hitters in a row went, so no one people backed off the pitching. So we know on that turn is a tough spot that you kind of have to make those decisions. Uh, ideally, 
I think I want one pitcher in the first three to four rounds. But if I feel like no one's worth it there, then I might have to go in a different direction. Now you know, okay, in the middle of the draft, I'm... It's also knowing the strengths of yourself as a drafter. If you're good at finding the starting pitching value late, then you could go with four hitters and say, you know what, I'm just going to rely on the skill set that I've had the last few years, and I've been good at finding these mid-to-late-round values. And again, this is a league with a waiver wire and trades. It's completely different in draft champions because you can't go out and make those pickups. But... I just think Strasburg is a guy I'm completely out on this year. You don't even get a discount. He's going around three, yeah, four. Yeah, there's no discount. There's so no discount. Let's look at Anthony's team. Yeah, Strasburg, Baumgartner, Carlos Martinez, Koichel, Godley. That's that's a very sketchy rotation, isn't it? It's a ton of risk here. Yeah. Uh, again, Stras, Strasburg's the guy you're leaning on as your ace, and you might get 150 if you're lucky out of him. Baumgartner, obviously is coming off a year where his fastball got hammered. He's never been a guy that throws hard. The question is, how much did the bike accident and the finger injury take away from him last year? Also, does he get traded to another team? It's a great park that he pitches in. That helps. Um, so there's some questions with him. Carlos Martinez, is he going to be back in the starting staff? They sent him to the bullpen last year. Uh, Dallas Keuchel, we don't even know where he's going to pitch. Now, I know it's round 14, but I think Keuchel's going to be hurt kind of leaving Houston. I mean, that was a good team context that he had last year, and his numbers still sucked. All right, I want to look at Jim Bowden's team here for a second because he did something that I think was is a, is a rookie mistake. I really think it's a rookie mistake. Takes Chris Sale in round one. Then he goes back with Goldschmidt, Benatendi, Chris Davis, Real Mudo, Upton. Then he takes Chapman and Asuna. It's now round nine, and he takes J.A. Happ, round 10, John Lesta, and then round 12, Kyle Freeland. When you take a Chris Sale in round one, I think the right move is to get myself another good pitcher before round nine, because when you wait until round nine for your second starter, you're actually diluting Sale more than you need to be. Agree or disagree? Uh, somewhat. I mean, I've ta- I, I, I took... Uh... You know, one draft, one draft last year, right? When I took Bumgarner in third, I think I came back with Cole in the seventh. I really liked Cole last year. I thought he was undervalued, and Cole wound up being my ace instead of Bumgarner, obviously. Uh, so yeah, I mean, but you know, he went with the closers instead, the two closers, which I don't like doing. You know, I think there's just way too much risk with these closers early on. I think Chapman, there is some concern. I do like Osuna though, but you know, he went in that direction instead and decided to lock up the saves. Yeah, and then after Freeland, he just waited a long time for more pitchers. I just think when you have Sale and you have DeGrom and you have Scherzer, I think you need to commit to being a high-level pitching team. I think it's a decision that you make right away. It's, you can't just say, oh, I got Sale, now let me get hitting. I just think it's a mistake that people make. I think the problem is, uh, when you look at this draft too, is that pitching got pushed up the board further than we have seen in a while. I mean, you really only saw two teams do that where they took the – two pitchers in the first three rounds. So unless you are really high on some of these guys in rounds four, five, or six, I think it was a little bit difficult to do here. Unless, you know, we saw Kluber, Kershaw go to Colton and the Wolf win that combo, and we saw uh, Real Talk Raft take Verlander, Walker Bueller, rounds two, three. So did you, Do you like the Kluber, Kershaw, and the Verlander, Bueller mix up there? No, I'm worried about Kershaw this year. Again, you know, he has not been durable the last few years. He's had this back issue. You could tell me, well, when he does pitch, he's going to be real good, and that's fair, but I don't want to invest a third-round pick on that. I Can mean, I tell I would, you, I was, I, never taking I, would Ker- take, I was never taking Kershaw? I would have taken Bauer over Kershaw. Yeah. I would have taken I was never over taking Kershaw, yep. Severino, a lot of those guys yeah. over Kershaw. 
I, when he took Kershaw, I was so happy, Ronas, because there was no way I was taking Kershaw. If he had taken Bauer, I would have taken Snell there. And, but, you know, I was look, never they, taking Kershaw. They do well all, all, constantly, so it's hard to criticize them. And I'm sure that happens to them all the time. People just criticize their draft, like, what are they doing? And then at the end of the year, they're always near the top. So they know what they're doing. And the draft is one piece of the puzzle. I mean, I've gone back and looked at drafts and go, oh, my God, what the hell is I doing? And the team won because I had enough good pieces and work the waiver wire. So this is just the, the start. Obviously, you'd like to come out having a good draft, but I think their thinking probably was, hey, we're getting Kershaw as our SP2. So we don't even need well, him to be the dominant Kershaw he has been in the past. They're actually active traders. I've been in the leagues with Colton and Wolfman before. They're always like saying, hey, we're looking for a closer. We're looking for a starter. I mean, they're, they're active traders and they make moves. And I mean, the problem in most of these industry leagues is that at least I can name you four guys who will not be paying you any attention come um, March 1st. Yeah, and I hate that. It's like, again, don't join. You know, no one's right. forcing you to do this. There's no money involved in many of them. So it's simple. Just don't join. I mean, I know people want to get out there and put their name on it and get the attention because that's a topic. But if you're not going to play it out, don't join. There's plenty of people that want to do it that would be, you know, uh, dying to get into this league. Absolutely, because you're. I mean, I, I like I said, there's about four guys who I know will never check, win, look at it. It's all done. I mean, so I'm basically, I always feel like I'm competing with ten guys. And then there's of course from some guys who are really clever. You know, the baseball HQ guys and Colton the Wolfman. They 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 care, but it's a it's a little frustrating. All right, so continuing on, let's take a look at the catcher situation here. The first catcher that went off the board in the FSTA draft was JT Realmuto. Is he the best catcher in fantasy baseball? Is Sanchez better? I would never have taken Real Muto on five when Sanchez in six. It just wasn't going to. I already got learned that lesson last year. Do you like those two guys? Were they taken too early? Uh, they take it too early, early for me. I'm just not investing in the catcher position early. It's too, it never works out. These guys miss games. They get banged up late in the year. They're not healthy. I mean, you saw Gary, Gary Sanchez crush teams last year. And I think he has legit power, and I don't think that average will be as low again. And maybe he has a year of 30-90. It's possible. Uh, he certainly has that ability, but uh, I'm not going to spend uh, an early pick on him to see that. Real Muto, obviously, we don't know where he's going to land yet. And you got to think wherever he goes, it's got to be a better landing spot than the what he's dealing with now with the Marlins. But I just think even in a two-catcher two league with 14, 15 teams, just not going to spend that early pick. You know, I'll start to think about it maybe rounds 9, 10, 11 as when it'll start to enter my mind. But I'll just uh, – I'll figure it out. Are you the type of guy that could wait till round 19 and just take, you know, uh, Tucker Barnhart and Jan Gomes and be okay? Or you just need one better guy? No, I can I can do that. I mean, ideally I'd like something a little bit better. You know, the Wilson Ramos, Yasmani Grandal, like that tier. But if someone's going to reach, take them early, or I miss out, no problem. I'll wait uh, and just hope that I don't get anyone that really kills my average that bad. I mean, that's really what I'm looking for is I don't want anyone that's going to crush my average and bring me down. Do you like Jorge Alfaro this year? I mean, this guy's got some power. He plays in a good park. Should be the head lead guy there, but do you trust him? Yeah, I've taken him in a in a recent draft, uh, probably middle rounds, 15, 16, 17, somewhere in that area. So, you know, the plate discipline is definitely a big concern. Strikes out a ton. He doesn't walk, but, you know, he did hit 262 last year, although 
a little bit fortunate there on a batting average balls in play. But, uh, yeah, I like him. Uh, I'll take him. Good lineup, good ballpark, and, uh, you know, he's got a little pop. I just hope that the, you know, average uh, and plate discipline can get a little bit better. I mean, again, the average wasn't bad last year, but uh, he was a little lucky. What about an Omar Narvez who ends up in Seattle, should be the starting catcher there, should be able to get 450 at-bats, showed some life at some point last year. Is he overrated or underrated? I don't think he could be overrated as late as he goes. I've taken him in the past. Um, He's okay. I mean, not a target, but he's okay. Let me give you one more guy. Francisco Mejia, really good hitter, but may not have a position. Are you willing to take a chance on him as your first or second catcher? Not right now uh, because I don't know. If he's going to get enough playing time, we're obviously hearing the Padres involved on in a lot of trade rumors and a lot of deals. I mean, we've even heard Real Muta go over there. So right now, I think there's just people who are way more excited about him than I am. And it maybe it turns out to be wrong. But right now, based on where he's going, uh, I'm not taking him. All right, we're going to take a little time out. When we come back, Adam Ronis is going to put his general manager's hat on, right? We're going to, we're going to move him up here. We're going to figure out... Where JT Realmuto should be traded to? Where should he go? Why hasn't he gone anywhere? Which are the right teams that should get him? And why aren't they making the right offers? We're Scout Fantasy Sports. I'm Dr. Roto along with Adam Ronas. We're here till 4 p.m. today, right, Ronas? Yes. Got a lot to say today. Who's coming on in hour number two? Clay Link, RotoWire. Ooh, he's pretty good in fantasy baseball. All right, more fantasy. What's that? He had a great year last year. Yeah, he really did. All right, we're back right after this. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be. So we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS, WeatherTech.com proudly made in america it's calling the shots if carson wentz is a 50 50 guy half the people like him half the people don't and i mean teammates this is your look in the mirror moments where you figure out who am i i know i'm talented am i a good teammate am i a good person am i someone that everyone wants to be around dude's 26 He's young. We all made dumb mistakes. Weekdays, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. All right, we're back. We're Scout Fantasy Sports. Dr. Roto along with Adam Ronis. 
And, of course, if you want to win your fantasy baseball leagues, you go to ScoutFantasySports.com. You enter BATS50. That's BATS50. You get 50% off your first two months with us. And hopefully those will be the two months that help you prepare for your fantasy baseball leagues. What are you working on now, Adam? What are you writing up? Different profiles for the draft kit. Latest one just went up, Steven Strasburg, and whether he is worth drafting, breaking him down. I've taken a look at players that have changed teams, Yasiel Puig, Nelson Cruz, what it means for their fantasy value. So a ton of content already up there. And Sean Childs, his in-depth team outlooks as he is now in the NL East. His latest is a look at my New York Mets. Uh, dude, he's like writes theses, thesi, theses, whatever you want to call it. I wonder it. how long it takes him to write like one team profile. It takes me like an hour to read it. So how long could it take to write it? I, I said, hey, when you're available to come on, <laughs> let me know. So I expect not to hear from him for a month. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he doesn't come on when he's doing his stuff there. He gets, he gets in depth. He gets deep. All right. You, congratulations. Derek Jeter called you up and said, Adam, I know I'm you're a big up. fan of mine. As soon as you're, I see Derek Jeter on the call ID, I'm hanging up. Exactly. I said, Ronis, you're my biggest fan, and I've decided to make you the general manager of the Marlins. You moved back down to South Florida. The weather's nice here. And you have JT Real Muto. Where are you moving him first? Who's the first offer you're going to make to? Uh, Braves, Astros, one of those teams. Braves have a lot. All right, so you call the Braves up. And you say, hello, who are you going to ask for? Uh, honestly, I don't know. I really don't care about the JT Real Muto stuff and all the rumors, man. I just want to see him get dealt. All right, but work with me here because this is radio. Why do you think if you're the Braves, you've got Soraka, you've got Ian Anderson, you've got Tuki Toussaint, you've got Kyle Wright, you've got Luis Gahara, you've got five guys, five pitchers, and then you've got Tyler Flowers and Brian McCann as your, as your catchers. Why are you not taking your least favorite of those five guys and offering him something else on top of that and getting GT, JT Real Muto and ending this stuff? Well, because I think teams know that the Marlins are they're in a tough spot. They know that they have to trade them. So when you know that, you're not going to give like the best offer. You're just going to try and give something that you know, okay, they're kind of forced to trade them. Hopefully they kind of just bend in and accept it. So they're in a tough spot right now. Because but why would teams do that? I mean, you've got a guy, you got a guy that can help you. You're, you're in a position to win the World Series. Why? 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 Screw around with that. Just, you know, look, offer uh, Luis Gohara and, uh, I don't know, some other Darren O'Day, and let's get this done. That, uh, that's really going to do it? No, but I'm just – how about Luis Gohara and uh, another guy, Mike Soraka? I could get – why doesn't that do it? Yeah, I don't know if they, they want to do it. They probably want to keep Soraka. I know, but, I mean, you've got Anderson, you've got Wright, you've got a lot of guys there. All right, you're Houston. You're Houston. You got Robinson, Chirinos, and Max Stasi. I mean, I know you got Forrest Whitley, you got Kyle Tucker, you got Jordan Alvarez, you got Josh James. You got four guys who are just fantastic. Why are you not? I mean, is is Kyle Tucker too much straight up? Yeah, I think so. For a catcher, uh, they like Tucker. He could be in the outfield this year, so I don't think that's something that they're going to do. And it's not like could they use a catcher? Sure. I mean, getting a guy like Real Muto, because again, this is a team that is you know thinking World Series. They're thinking championship. So it's a win-now thing. And to get Real Muto would 
boost the lineup. Can they win without him? Sure. But Romito would be a, a big boost. And, you know, they still have uh, – they have to worry about their starting pitching, though, right now. I think they have some questions there at the back end. You know, what are they going to do? I think McHugh is going to start. He'll be fine. They just signed Wade Miley. You know, do they have plans on turning him around? Well, and- they signed Wade Miley because I think that means they're not signing Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't think they will either. Um, James obviously has a good arm, uh, and I'd like to see him get a shot in the rotation. So, you know, this is a team that is win now. That's the thing is you're looking at teams that are going for it. Uh, it looks like the Dodgers, I think, I heard are out of it for real Muto. Well, all right, let's look at the Padres for a second. You've got Mejia, who may not be able to catch, and you've got Myers, Renfro, Franville Reyes, Franchi Cordera, Margot, you can't tell me that you wouldn't trade like Franchi and Mejia and get Real Muto and be done? Doesn't yeah. that help you? They have so many things going on right now. I don't know what they're doing. They're, you know, Harper, Machado they're supposedly talking to, obviously with few teams out of it. They definitely have a surplus in the outfield, and they can, and I would think, have to move an outfielder or two at some point. So uh, it could work for them, and I would think that the Marlins would take Mejia. Right? I mean, if I'm the Marlins and I can get Mejia and Manuel Margot, I do this deal in a second. I get myself a legit outfielder. I get myself a guy catcher. And I I get rid of the headache because I don't want to be dealing with this all year. I want guys who want to play on my team, Ronas. You don't want to play for my team, go to another team. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I agree with that. When you know someone doesn't want to be there, you know, you got to get them out. I know. You know what I'm talking about there. So I, I just think that. You know, Mejia, so what? Maybe he's not a great defensive catcher. But if I'm the Marlins, I'm a crappy team anyway. Yeah, I've seen now that the Phillies have checked in on him too. So it's just like, come on, just get a deal done already. I mean, I'm just so sick of hearing these rumors. The same thing with Machado and Harper. I just want these guys to sign already. So I can make the Padres a much better team in two seconds. I make that trade, and then I sign my boy Mike Moustakis to play with his guy, Eric Hosmer. I don't need Machado because Machado wants to play shortstop, and I need Tatis to be there in about three months. And then I'm Real Mudo, and I'm Moustakis, and I'm a whole lot. And maybe I sign Keuchel, too, and then I'm really much better. Yeah, it would be improved. I still don't think there's enough pitching there. Well, all right, so let me ask you this question. Bowden said he thought it would be a bad move if Keuchel ended up with the Padres. I like it. Wait, I, I look at it a different way. Going to a pitcher's park, in a pitching division, in the National League. How is that a bad move for Keiko? For if you own Dallas Keiko, are you upset if he goes to the Padres? No, uh, but I just think that he's kind of on the downside. Like I, I have real concerns with him. I mean, it was a perfect environment for him last year. The numbers weren't great. You know, he had an ERA three seven four. Strikeouts were way down, and the whip was 1.31. So, yeah, going to the National League will help, and he's an extreme ground ball pitcher. But, uh, I mean, doesn't it raise a red flag that Houston doesn't want him back, and this is a team that can go to the World Series and win? No, it does. I mean, I know they don't want to pay him. It it does. It always does. All right, one last Real Muto team for you because I know you're really enjoying this conversation. The Reds. The Reds seem to be the team that can get this done. The Reds want to be better. I don't really know why, because I don't think the Reds, with all their moves, I don't think they're, they're much more than a 500-team bonus. But if they had real Mudo, you move Tucker Barnhart, and you move, I don't know, you're not moving Nick Senzel, but, I mean, they seem to like this Jonathan India guy you have, who Eugenio Suarez anyway. Why wouldn't you do Barnhart and India and get this done? 
Yeah, the Reds are an interesting team. They actually, you know, they just picked up a bunch of guys who have expiring contracts. So I guess they say, you know what, we'll take on these guys and see if we can stay competitive. And if we're not, we'll just deal them at the trade deadline. So I kind of actually like what they did here. And this lineup is, I like this lineup right now. You know, adding Puig, Suarez was was good. I mean, the key is Convado bounced back with the power. Scooter Jeanette's had two really good years in a row. Peraz's uh, showed a, a lot of growth there in the second half last year. So I like this lineup. The pitching is better than what they had. It's still questionable, but we've seen Sony Gray have success before. Alex Wood has had success. Luis Castillo had a good second half. Roark, too. Roark, I, I don't really like. I do like Di Sclafini. He had a good second half. So I actually think that yeah, I like what they've done. And if it doesn't work, they're just going to trade a bunch of these guys. Right. So you could see, let's see, Puig, Kemp. Who else would be gone? Yeah, those two, because they have uh, expiring contracts, and maybe even, you know, Wood. Right, right, I, I, right. But I, I, I do think, I mean, I know you don't like Groark, but he's an innings guy. As the fourth or fifth starter, he'll eat about 180. So will DeScalfani. I mean, remember when, I don't know if you remember, Sean Childs was touting Tyler Mahi at the end of last year's uh, spring training, by the way. Right, and he had a, he struggled uh, for a good portion of it. He started off well, uh, had a couple decent starts, and then kind of fell off. All right, did you see a couple of signings here? The Marlins signed the Grandy Man, Ronas, Curtis Granderson. Any chance that he cannot suck this year? Well, he's older. I mean, I think the key here is he's probably going to get playing time now, so that does give him some appeal in the late rounds of drafts. Obviously not someone that you're targeting. Uh, he's almost 38 years old, but based on what they have there right now, he's going to play. Francisco Liriano signs with the Pirates. You like that signing? That's a bullpen arm. I don't think he'll start. I think he'll just be used uh, out of the pen to get some tough lefties out. The Texas Rangers sign Matt Davidson. This is another guy of the Joey Gallo ilk of, uh, you know, big power, no, no average. But let me just say this. He wrecks lefties, dude. And daily, I play him all the time against lefties. Yeah, he does strike out a ton, too, but I don't see him getting playing time here. I think he's a reserve guy. They brought in Estrubal Cabrera. I think he'll play third, and I do like Cabrera late in drafts. He's got eligibility at multiple positions, and he always finds a way to produce, and uh, now he'll hit in this Texas ballpark, so uh, I do like Estrubal Cabrera, especially in the draft champions leagues with no moves because he gives you that roster flexibility. All right, let me give you some guys in the Rangers here. Joey Gallo. Is he a modern-day Adam Dunn? Yeah, it feels that way at this point. To me, it all comes down to roster construction, uh, construction with Gallo and whether he fits your team. And uh, I had Steve Gardner on because uh, he took Gallo, and I thought he did a tremendous job. He really fit the roster. You could see it. You could clearly see what he was doing. He's got Betts with a good average, Blackman good average, Vlad, Votto, Seager, all these guys, Scooter Jeanette. And you put Gallo in there, perfect fit. Gallo's not going to ruin the average of that team. He baked in a ton of high floor average. So even if Gallo hits in the low 200s, uh, it's, it's not going to crush him. You're going to get the 40 home runs, the 90 RBIs. And, you know, you're just hoping that he can at least hit 230. I mean, I guess it's possible. The problem is he hits so many fly balls that it's going to lead to a lower average. But there's no question the power is legit. And uh, it all comes down to how he fits in your team. And I thought Steve did a tremendous job. All right, let's talk about a guy named Willie Calhoun. Willie Calhoun was a, a top minor league prospect for the Rangers. 
the guy was expected to come up and really be a big-time hitter, comes up last year and, and is really disgusting. I mean, truly just awful. I mean, after producing a AAA in 2017, where could he have gone wrong? The guy's still 24, but, you know, we always hear the, ty- the, the, the words post-hype sleeper. Can this guy get his hype back? Is he still a good hitter? Can you go from being that good in the minor leagues to that sucky in the majors? I mean, tell me about, about Willie Calhoun. I mean, we didn't see enough of a sample to say he can't hit. I mean, it was 108 plate appearances last year. So, I mean, it's kind of unfair to say, oh, this guy can't do it. And he's still 24. I think the biggest issue with him is can't play defense. And that's the problem. And, you know, you start when they put you in the field and you're not that good, you start to think about it. And then you have to wonder how much that affects your hitting. And I think that happened to Scott Kingery last year. They moved him around and he was all over the place. Shows up to the ballpark. You don't know where you're going to play. You're playing shortstop one day, right field the next. And as a young player... I think that affects him. So with Calhoun, you know, ideally you'd like him to be a DH, but they got Shinsu Chu there who's still hitting. So um, that's the problem for him. It's like, where are they going to play him at this point? I'm not giving up on him. I would definitely take a flyer on him late in drafts. You know, I did draft him last year in Tout Wars, and I held on to him for quite a long time. And uh, at a certain point, I'm like, you know what? uh, He's not getting the call up. I got to get rid of him. I held on to him for so long, Ronas. I, I just I, I couldn't have held on to him any longer. I mean, I just I think that there's upside here. I just don't know if I'll ever see it. And but I don't want to be I don't want to be left holding the bag because this guy could be a major league superstar one day. But your problem is when there's no position. Can he be a DH for this team, or they just want to play Chu? Well, for now, I think they have Chu there, so he'll be there. But you know, Chu always could get hurt. I think if he did, then that would open the door for him because. I don't know where they can play him in the field. I mean, uh, there were reports in the minor leagues that he really struggled in the outfield last year. So I don't know if they want to do that at this point. And, you know, they have Gallo, Mazzaro, and DeShields. All right, do you like Jose LeClerc? Is he a legit closer? Yeah, I picked him up last year in a couple leagues, and he was good. But the problem is, is, you know, it's a high price tag to pay for him because we know he's the closer. And there's a lot of teams where we don't know who's closing right now. And because of that... Leclerc, Leclerc goes more in the top 12 to 15 of closers, but he was really good last year outside of the walks, and especially pitching in that park. He allowed one home run in 57 and two-thirds innings, and that's what you want out of your closer. You don't want to allow the long ball. So there were a lot of positive signs that we saw from him last year. I would like him, but the problem is uh, the price is a little bit higher than I thought it would be, and it's because we know he's the closer. All right, let me give you another guy. Isaiah, give me a falafel. Is he a guy that could be a second catcher? Uh, possibly, because they could use him at other positions, too. Um, so, And I did have him in a league last year because he had that catcher eligibility, and he, they kind of moved him around. So, yeah, if he especially – I don't know if they're going to give him at-bats, though, at the other positions this year. But injuries happen, and it's certainly possible. Could you get 10 stolen bases from him? Uh, maybe he had seven last year, but the more he catches, the more or less likely I think he runs. I mean, but getting 10 stolen bases from a catcher is like unheard of, right? Yeah. And he had seven last year. I don't, I don't think he played a lot at catcher though. He played, but I think most of his games came at, uh, the infield. All right. Let me give you another guy here. Ronald Guzman. This was a guy who was a pretty good minor league hitter. Uh, but is very light on the average. Do you like him late, in, in, especially in the Draft Champions League? Do you think he's got a stick worth looking at? 
No, I haven't really. He hasn't been on my radar. I know First Beast is extremely shallow this year, but I don't think he has enough pop. He had 16 homers in 123 games last year, and the minor league levels never showed much pop. So I don't think there's anything uh, special about him. How do you figure out, like, which guys? So look at Calhoun and Guzman. They were so good in the minor leagues. So good in the minor leagues. And then they're disappointments in the majors. How do we know who's a 4A player and who's not? Well, I don't think we know with those guys yet because we saw a limited sample size. And for some players, it takes some time. I mean, look at Nelson Cruz. That's what people said he was for a long time. And he had some injuries. And then all of a sudden, what, 29, 30, he became one of the elite hitters in baseball. So that's where you can get bargains sometimes because people automatically chalk them up and say, yeah, these guys suck. They're not going to do it. But, again, we're dealing with small samples. I mean, we barely saw Willie Calhoun at the major league level. So he's still 24 years old. And it's just a matter of playing time now. Can he get the playing time? And just looking right now at the depth chart, I don't think it's there to start the year. That doesn't mean he can't at some point this season. Well, I agree with that. I mean, I, I, I look at that in football, right? Just because a guy's third string in August doesn't mean he's going to be third string in November. He could end up winning you a league like Alvin Kamara. Exactly. I mean, that's what happened. Kamara was the third string running back. You know, Peterson and Ingram were ahead of him. And if you took him and just waited it out, he won your league. And I was able to get him in a couple leagues, like round nine, round ten. And then those leagues where you became my rich friend. Exactly. Exactly. All right, hour two, Clay Link coming up from Rotowire. Very good player. Any good conversation pieces with him? Yeah, we're going to talk about his success last year because he won a lot of leagues and figure out what the common thread was. Interesting. All right, I'd like to find out myself. All right, guys, this is Dr. Roto. Back tomorrow doing a little PGA DFS with you. So be well, take care, and stay tuned for one more hour of Scout Fantasy Sports. Back right after this.